The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informal look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great-tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Dave Rubin's journey from a left-leaning progressive to a free-thinking classical liberal has been quite an adventure. As a gay married man living in America, Dave spent the majority of his adult life subscribing to a certain political belief system based primarily on his immutable characteristics. Fed up with the mainstream media narrative and clickbait news, Dave decided to open up about his awakening for all to see, and he came to realise that no person or idea should be expected to join a side, but rather they should embrace their status as an individual. He now feels that the modern left has lost its way by taking political correctness and groupthink to a dangerous level, distracting from the true American dream of the pursuit of life, liberty and happiness. Dave's background is a stand-up comedian, degree in political science and willingness to listen without fighting has uniquely positioned him to tackle big ideas and uncomfortable truths with thought leaders from both sides of the aisle. His show, The Rubin Report, aims to create civil discourse with people we both agree and disagree with and host a dialogue with others whose ideas are judged before given the chance to be presented in an honest way. To find out more about Dave Rubin, please visit his website, daverubin.com. That's D-A-V-E-R-U-B-I-N.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? I'm good, Pete. How are you doing across the world? <laughs> Mate, we have got our bags of popcorn or boxes of popcorn and are eagerly <laughs> awaiting the next 48 hours. It's already November the 3rd here in Australia. So, <laughs> Listen, 
forget about popcorn. It's tequila or for you Aussies, a nice bottle of Shiraz or a case of Shiraz or something else because it's going to be a nutty 24 to 48 to 72 to 150 hours here in America. Have you ever lived through anything as crucial as this moment before? Well, you know, every election, they always tell you this is the most important election of a generation. This is the most important election of our time, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, usually if you're a thinking person, you can pretty much ascertain that they don't really mean it. You know, they're just they're trying to gin you up. And if, and if you think back to any of our last, say, 10 elections, you know, George W. Bush versus Al Gore or Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney, you know, whatever, or, or Bill Clinton versus Bob Dole, any, any of the ones that you could pick, you know, there was a basic sense that although these people had different economic policies, they had different foreign policies, they had, you know, fundamentally different things. And that, of course, having one administration is going to shift the country one way and another is going to shift the country the other way. But that basically the, the, the sensible ideas of America being a good country, our founding being good, our principles and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights being good, that we've expanded freedoms for people, that we've been a force for liberty in the world. Uh, those things didn't really seem like they were on the table. This election, to me, feels like we're deciding whether we want to continue this experiment or not. And oddly, it is a very odd position that I find myself in. I have come to the realization and belief that the only way this experiment continues, at least for now, is for Donald Trump to win. I, I think Donald Trump loves America. He has Donald Trump has flaws and America has flaws. But I think he he believes this thing is good. I think he wants people to be successful. I don't think he thinks that the government is the end all be all and should decide everything for us. I think he wants to let the states do as much stuff as possible. That's a lot of the stuff that I believe in. That's different than the way he tweets and all of that, which if you want to discuss, we can. But I think on the other side, it's like, man, you know, Biden, 47 years in government, has really no accomplishments to speak of. Um, in many ways, he's just the host and the parasite within him. If this is the alien movie, the, the, the alien that's going to burst forth out of Sigourney Weaver's stomach is is the crazy lefties and and Biden unfortunately doesn't have the mental acumen or whatever else to to stand up to it and if if he wins and then big tech is empowered to silence voices and the old machine starts coming back man i think we're in for for a really really hard time around here although i will say we probably in a hard time either way because if trump wins obviously there's going to be violence on the streets so it's going to be messy here for a while no matter what when you said it's an experiment, explain what, what you mean by this experiment and if it continues. Yeah, well, America is an experiment. My, my friend Dennis Prager was the first one that I heard uh, describe it that way. And, and I love that idea. It's in this experiment as to whether people from every walk of life, from every corner on earth, from every country, uh, and every different way of living can all come together live under the exact same laws, which is exactly what we have here. As long as you come here legally, you live under the exact same laws as everybody else. And, and could we, as opposed to what's happened in a lot of European countries where there really is a certain segregation based on uh, class or based on race and religion and stuff like this, where they haven't had fully integrated societies. And you're seeing some of that in Sweden, obviously, you're seeing it in the UK, you're seeing it in Germany, you're seeing it in France. 
where they have these real problems. We became a true melting pot here. Everybody, nobody in America really, you know, of course there's always fringe voices, but, but the basic idea of America is it doesn't matter if you're Italian or you're black or you're Jewish or you're Latino, if you're straight or gay or any of that stuff, nobody really cares. Are you an American? Do you want to bring whatever talents and gifts and culture and history and foods you have and, and sort of let that be part of the greater melting pot. That, that's the experiment. Can this thing work? It's worked pretty freaking well for 250 years, but we might be at the end of the experiment. The, the, the woke left may have figured out a weakness of how we can turn ourselves against ourselves, in effect, and maybe we are at the end of the experiment. I hope not, and I don't think so, and I'll, I'll be fighting it all along the way, but, but that is what I mean by it. What have you learned over the last four years since Trump has been in that position as the president of the United States and, and personally for you? Have yeah, you had to change um, your views or your beliefs in any way? Well, you know, it's funny because people can, can see all the videos of me over the years evolving and, and changing and talking about the things that I believe in. And I think my belief system has basically remained the same. Uh, my political views have evolved some. I, so I would say, I would say the one thing that I've really sort of changed on politically is that I've definitely now, I lean right economically, meaning I'm more libertarian economically. I want low taxes. I want states' rights. I don't think that the government should just be taking money for whatever project it wants to do. You, whatever you earn, I want you to keep as much of it as possible. If you told me the government could slash 25% of the budget, we're going to just give that back to people. And you know what, we're going to lose some of some government stuff. I think that would be great. I want people to keep their money. I, I became a businessman in the course of all this. And I have two businesses. And I know when I have lower taxes, I can pay my guys more money. And guess what, when I pay my guys more money, they work harder for me, we earn more money. It's a great system. That's the beauty of capitalism. Um, so I would say in that regard, I've shifted right economically, most of the other beliefs that I have are, are very consistent to what I wrote about in my book. I mean, I, I still, to this day, consider myself an old school liberal, but that's very different than when, when you say liberal in an American context. I know, I know you guys have your own version of this in Australia. And when you say you know, liberal in, in the UK, it means something very different too. So I would say by a, by a modern estimation, if you care about old school liberalism, meaning you care about free speech, you want the markets to be relatively free. You don't want the government to do too much, but you see some use for government. In essence, that's conservatism now. So at this point, I wouldn't mind if someone called me a conservative and, and you could always whittle, how, well, how's that different than a libertarian? I mean, conservatives see a little more utility for government than, than libertarians. Um, but I would say, in essence, I'm on the kind of libertarian wing of the conservative movement, if that makes sense. So there's, you know, you have a pretty wide conservative movement that would include, say, the religious conservatives on one side, Christian conservatives. And then you have the more libertarian side where, you know, it would be more about personal freedom, meaning I don't care who you marry, I don't care what you smoke, that kind of stuff. I would be on that side of it. So, I, you know, that's sort of the libertarian side of the conservative tent, which right now is actually pretty big here in America. So tell me about this year, especially because we've seen sort of a lot of things coming to light. Big tech with their censorship. I mean, I've fallen under that uh, umbrella, so to speak, and, and my reach has dramatically been uh, reduced. And I found the culprit for it the other day. It was actually a, a, apparently a post that I did about masks and it went against their guidelines. That'll do it. That'll do it. 
even though probably what I shared was exactly what Dr. Fauci had said <laughs> previously back in March. Ba- back in yeah, March. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got tech censorship. We've got a very fascinating media system in, that's currently running, not only in your country, but this country as well. You open up yeah. a- any newspaper or any story this year, previous years in mainstream media, it's all negative about Donald Trump. And so we've got that. We've, we've seen sort of the, the exposure of big pharma and big medicine. So what do you think it's all coming to this sort of crux at the moment where Donald Trump is, is exposing this in his rallies and there doesn't seem to be much pushback over these, these concepts of big, big medicine, big pharma, big tech, and big media. Well, look, the, the key word that you're laying out there is big, right? And, and that sort of is what I think the debate of the future will be about, is do we want giant governments, giant corporations, giant man-made entities of any kind ruling over us as if they're good just because they're big. You know, when, when people talk about a globalist government or big government, government should do all these things for you. Well, the idea that government could give healthcare or free education or whatever it might be, conceptually, that idea, if we had a slim, trim, efficient, honest government, well, of course, I would say then every then if that machine could give everyone free health care, let's say, or, or truly educate people, not indoctrinate people, well, then I would be for it. So the fundamental split these days is some people believe that this man, you know, humans are all flawed, but somehow we can make this perfect machine above us that can give us all of this stuff. Or I think, and obviously this is where I lie, and I think you're probably in there somewhere as well, that, that man is kind of flawed. And the idea that we can somehow build these incredible systems that will somehow know how to treat us and what to give us, as if that, that's what our right or duty is as people, I just, don't, I just don't believe it. So I'm a firm believer that while you're laying out the problem with the big stuff, big tech, big government, big pharma, I am a firm believer the future is going to be small. Big tech and all of these things, they grew, grew so huge. The American government is so huge. That doesn't mean it's inherently evil, but it doesn't mean it's inherently good either. And I see the future as there will be a contraction where even the way we behave online, instead of big platforms like Twitter and Facebook and everything else, people are going to start having smaller communities, which, by the way, that's how the Internet started 25 years ago with little little Internet communities and, and prodigy and AOL sites and chat rooms and all that. I sense there's going to be a return to that type of stuff. It's what I'm building with Locals.com, by the way. And I think that even in government, people are going to have to realize the president is not the king. Thankfully, we left because we didn't want to be ruled by a king, right? That was the problem with King George and England. We didn't want to be ruled by a king. And yet we treat the presidency as if whatever happens tomorrow in the American election, as if that should affect every aspect of our lives. And what I think the much healthier way of looking at that is, is saying, hey, I should actually know who my local representative is. If you ask 90% of Americans who their local representative is, I bet you they don't know. Who, who are your senators? Who are the people that have more to do with your life? And I think if we can return to some of that stuff, I think that's how you build up a functional society. Let's build it from the bottom up instead of the top down. Mm, I 100% agree, brother. 
it's it's so fascinating. Over the last few weeks, I've been posting quite a lot about Trump, and most days I'm like, "Why the fuck am I doing this for?" You know, <laughs> I, it, it actually goes against everything that I believe in that right. we need to have leaders, or if that we not that I idolize, although I don't mind him dancing, but it's that concept <laughs> of having, you know, giving away our our power to an external individual or external corporation or, or government or institution or whatever it may be. Yet here I am still posting things this morning before I hopped on with you about Trump. Like, like I know it's, 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 it's a really weird thing how politics has infected everything, sports, video games. You turn on Apple TV, there's a political message, Black Lives Matter this. And it's wrecked so many things that there's so few things that we have that aren't political anymore. But what always amazes me is how much of the stuff that happens in America, you know, makes it all the way to that to that big island that you live on. You know, it's like, you know, I've been to Australia. I toured in Australia with Jordan Peterson. It was absolutely incredible. I loved the people. I found the, I found the Australians, the Aussies were the most similar to Americans in spirit, sort of politically incorrect. They like to say what they think. You know, any night I went out to a bar or dinner, it's kind of rowdy and fun. I just I just had a great time there. And, you know, that sort of feeling about freedom, we, we have to live free, which we really have in America. And you guys have a healthy dose of. And then I know you have your own problems right now with COVID lockdowns and everything else and overreaching government. It's like we really have to decide what kind of future do we all want to live in? You know, regardless of what you think about COVID at this point and, and how, how real it is versus the lockdowns and everything, it's like, do you want to live in a world where at any given moment, if you own a restaurant or you own a business or whatever else it might be, that the government can come shut you down as opposed to, hey, I own a restaurant and I'm going to do whatever I feel is responsible for people to come into my restaurant. That's the world I want to live in. So I, at this point, I would open up absolutely everything if I was in charge of the government. And I would say, hey, if you, if you, you, you own a giant big box store or you open, own a tiny little restaurant, you can take temperatures. You can tell people to wear masks. It's up to you as opposed to these giant blanket regulations where even just this morning, the governor of, uh, of Michigan Gretchen Whitmer, who's a, a lefty Democrat, obviously, she's now, they're going to take names. If you go to restaurants, they're going to put your name on a list so they can track you. This is, this is anti-American at, at every level whatsoever. My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, dot com backslash Pete. Mm, same thing happened here this morning in New South Wales. Unreal. The, the Unreal. premier said for all restaurants, they want to have a, a QR code tracking system for anybody that goes into hospitality venues. It's like, well, that's absurd because why are you doing it for one sector of the industry? Or industry? Of course. When, and, then, and then what is it? Then, then two weeks from now, they'll say, okay, and we also need to know when exactly you're in your house and when you're walking your dog and, and every other little thing about you. And we'll all just kind of sign it. We'll all sign up like, oh, they're protecting us. 
oh, I don't even know what they're protecting us from anymore. I don't even think they know. Uh, they don't. Know. <sighs> I, I don't think they know either. The I, look, we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that back in March? Two weeks. We're going to lock it down for two weeks. Everything will be okay. Well, in essence, we did flatten the curve. The, the curve's been flattened. The, the, it's not that cases are going up because we test more now, but the death rates are going down. And the simple truth is that even if death rates were remaining constant, most people have been more affected by the lockdowns. We know depression is up. Alcoholism is up. We know that there are secondary medical effects because people aren't getting screened for cancer and for heart problems and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's like, when are we going to honestly look at any of this stuff? Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. I want to get into the, the heart of the matter here because people are emotionally charged. And I first noticed this pretty much four years ago, give or take, uh, four, four years and three months when Donald Trump was running. I've been working in the health space and wellness space for some time. And I noticed there was this, this hatred for this man that was running for presidency from people that were even in the spiritual movement. And <laughs> I, I, I know you laugh and that's how I was. I was like, you guys are talking about non-judgment and enlightenment and now you're yelling hatred at a man that you don't know because of something. They don't, that believe, you- in, they don't believe in God, but they believe in Trump. I'll tell you that, Mike. <laughs> and why, is this, why do you think there is just this depolarization for one individual? What does that mean Tell us your thoughts on this spiritually, emotionally, physically, yeah. however, well, however like, deep you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like doing this question sort of away from the political part a little bit. So dealing with more like the spiritual piece of this or the existential piece related to Trump. Because, because again, these, a lot of these people that I see call themselves atheists. Well, they've concocted a whole worldview that only revolves around Trump, which I thought in some ways was what they were trying to avoid with you know, whatever, what they would call, say, like the, the pitfalls of God or something like that. Um, I, I think Trump is, is a particularly unique beast that no matter whether you love him and you're wearing a MAGA hat or you hate him and you're, you know, you're all it, you're a Bernie supporter, uh, he's done something sort of amazing here. So I think in essence, Trump is, Trump is just sort of, a, a semi-corrupt New York City businessman. And when I say semi-corrupt, I mean that in that he's not in jail. And if they had ever found him on something really corrupt, they would have put him in jail. That to be a New York City businessman, the hardest city in the world, but if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, that he had to come through the political machinery and make deals and real estate is really tough. And he was able to get land and build things when people said things couldn't be done. And could, did he have to do compromising things along the way? Did he have to do shady things along the way? Did he have to use tax loopholes and all of those things, which again, aren't illegal. And if they were illegal, he'd be in jail. Yeah, he did all of that stuff. Then, and you can watch, by the way, I mean, people can go on YouTube and they can watch videos where he's being interviewed by Phil Donahue in 1986 and Oprah in 1991. And, you know, he was the star. He was in cameos in all of these movies like Home Alone 2 and all of these things. And he's at he's at events with, you know, Al Sharpton, you know, where they're praising him for not being racist. The guy's been in the machine forever, but he saw something wrong with the machine. And I think most of us knew something was wrong with the machine. And Trump came in and said, you know what? I've waited. Nobody else is going to fix it. And this country has been pretty good to me. And I guess I'm going to have to do it. I think that's what he is. That doesn't make him 
the greatest man on earth. It doesn't make him the worst man on earth. But in a weird way, I think what he is, is he's, he's whatever you want him to be. So when you talk about the spiritual people who then, you know, they're supposed to be about inner peace and mindful meditation and whatever that is supposed to lead to, some sort of existential comfort. When you see that they're obsessed with him, it's like, man, he really became this thing that you need him to be. And then the MAGA people need him to be this hero. And the people somewhere in the middle need him to be whatever that is. And I think all he is, is he's a wrench in the system. And the real question that I guess we'll hopefully get the answer on tomorrow is, will the system just crush that wrench and continue to roll on? Or will some of the good things that he's done shine the light on the fake news media, shine the light on the problem of big tech, expose how our politicians are all bought? The guy is not getting us to war. There's basically peace in the Middle East. I thought these were all things that we wanted before that now are somehow we don't even talk about them. You know, in the, in the, well, there were only two debates, unfortunately, two presidential debates uh, because they canceled the middle one. But in neither debate did they bring up foreign policy, nothing about foreign policy. That, that's just incredible. And the reason they didn't bring it up, of course, is because Trump's got some major wins. We're, we're ending the war in Afghanistan, which is the longest war we've ever been in. Trump doesn't want to go to war in the Middle East. He's brought some of these countries around to make peace with Israel. It's like, there's some seriously great stuff happening there, but it's hard to see if all day long you're running around going orange man bad. But that was a beautiful summation and, and thank you for your honesty and, and your viewpoint. I wanted to ask you about that, that with the, with what has happened with the peace deals overseas in the foreign nations, the Middle East, as you mentioned, how does that come to happen after is it a smokescreen? Is it real? How come it, it hasn't been able to happen over the last however many decades, if not centuries? And fine. So I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I don't know that anyone other than the people that were really on the inside have the, have the true answer to this. And I think there'll be a lot of books written in the next couple of years about how Jared Kushner sort of helped this, this effort. And, and, but I would say this, which is I think everyone thought about the Middle East the wrong way. Um, and interestingly, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, he kept saying that if the Palestinians won't come to the table and they keep rejecting peace offers, then we have to try it. We have to make bridges elsewhere. We have to make economic bridges and we have to figure out ways to do it outside of the Palestinian issue. But everybody was obsessed with the Palestinian issue. And clearly, I think Trump, who's a negotiator, he's a businessman. He said, well, how can we make some deals here that are going to make sense? And next thing you know, the United Arab Emirates is on board and, and Sudan is on board. Now, these aren't countries that were directly at war with Israel in a traditional sense as if they were fighting. But once you sign some peace agreements, the, the, and then you start having trade and you start having ambassadors and there's communication between countries, the chances you're going to go to war uh, are, are way, way less. And you know, even now they're saying that over the next couple of weeks, there still could be five more countries at least five more countries, and maybe Saudi Arabia is going to come along. And maybe what that then does is, if these countries realize that this tiny little sliver of a country is not the worst thing in the world, well, if they kind of make peace, well, then maybe the Palestinians will be like, all right, well, the jig is up. We, we got to do it too, because nobody's with us anymore. So I think it's on the horizon there too. But again, the media just completely doesn't touch this stuff. 
My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, dot com backslash Pete. I want to go back to where you said Trump was a corrupt uh, businessman or, or, you know, because it seems to be the only thing that people can throw at him these days is that about his tax aversion. And from my understanding, nearly every large corporate corporate entity that's out there pays like zero tax. It's some of the largest companies in the world pay zero tax, whether they're the Seventh-day Adventists for something like sanitarium, or if we want to go higher and higher and higher, all of these different uh, foundations and and organizations. So he's not alone in what he has done if he has done that. I mean, every business person at that level, that's what they do, isn't it? You remember four years ago when, when Hillary was trying to get him on his taxes and said, you know, you didn't pay enough in taxes. And he goes, he goes, that makes me smart. He told the truth. Nobody pays more taxes than they have to. As I said before, if Trump had done something illegal with his taxes, true tax evasion, well, then they obviously would have got him in jail or would have been heavily fined. They never got him on that. By, by him using write-offs, by, you know, when he had business losses that he could take them, offset other expenses and all that stuff, that's all stuff that's in the tax code. So if your argument is that you don't like the tax code, well, you know, I don't mean your argument, but if the, if the person that's attacking Trump is saying, well, you don't like the tax code, well, I'm with you on that. And in my book, I call for a flat tax. I think everyone should just pay the same amount of tax and get rid of all the loopholes. And that that's the fairest thing that you can possibly do. I think Trump is a corrupt businessman. Um, I don't, that doesn't make him a criminal businessman. I would say those two things are different. I don't, if he had done any truly criminal things in his years as a real estate developer and everything else, well, then the legal system should have and would have gone after him for it. When I say corrupt, I'm not even talking about doing tax things. The tax things that he did were legal. So again, if you don't like them, then argue about the tax code. Don't, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. You know what I mean? Like that, it would be something like that. Um, but I would say that, that when I say corrupt, I mean that to, to build in New York, a tough town, man, you're going to have to fight it out with other real estate developers. You're going to have to get in with the mayor. You're going to have to talk to regulators, all that stuff. And that is messy and, and probably can corrupt you in a certain way. But it's a, it's a big jump to say from corrupt to criminal. Let's put it that way. Hmm. I was having a chat with a good friend of mine yesterday, David Avocado Wolf, who's in the health movement. And he was saying that Trump is the ultimate hustler. And you're watching him and his family. They're really good hustlers. They're out there hustling. And I mean, who works harder than these people? Look what they've done the last two weeks. Everybody in every city, you know, they're going five states a day, the whole freaking family. Now, you may not like what they're hustling for, but they're hustlers. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical, or other advice by a qualified professional. 
Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.